I'm the same guy reading Guardians of the Galaxy uh, late at night out partying on a balcony with alchemy like alchemist. Uh, I'm gonna keep saying raps, making people crazy like when the Leafs play the Habs, except right now it's hot. You gotta stay in short sleeves, bring a lot to the plate like I'm David Ortiz. If you got crackers, bring me more cheese. Perhaps some dill Havarti. Some of that tasty old white cheddar. I like that on my crackers. I'm Word Burglar. Thank you for coming back to episode two of Weekend at Burgies. You guys are awesome. I wanted to kick things off with that little snippet from uh, an older jam of mine, Supberg, because I got a little Gardens of the Galaxy uh, nod in that track, and it seemed appropriate because this weekend is the weekend that Gardens of the Galaxy has finally become a movie and is in theaters, and people can see it. And when I recorded that track five years ago, I never would have thought we would see a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So it's kind of crazy, and uh, that's where we're at. Thank you to everybody that gave me feedback on the pilot episode. I'm working hard to serve you and to meet your needs and to come at you with uh, some interesting things. This week, we've got Dave Howlett, my old pal, comic book expert, and movie um, genius, quite frankly. And we're going to chat about Marvel movies and comic book movies and just kind of get you up to speed with some really geeky info about uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy that uh, may help you. There might be one or two little spoilers. We'll give you a heads up before we reveal anything too crazy in case you're worried about ruining the movie. But before we get into that, I just got to handle a quick couple things this coming weekend, which is probably when this uh, is going to be coming online to you guys. I will be performing in Orlando at the uh, Orlando Marriott as part of Orlando Nerdfest. So get your tickets there. I'm performing on Saturday and Monday. Two shows in Orlando, orlandonerdfest.com. Make sure you get your tickets. And then August 29th in Toronto, you do not want to miss uh, the Friday night show at the Horseshoe. I will be performing there alongside Swamp Thing, Fresh Kills, more or less, Brentel Floss, um, I think Two Live Drew maybe that night too. It's just the whole weekend's going to be crazy uh, with Fan Expo, but you don't want to miss the concert at the Horseshoe. So check that out and you can get your tickets for that at nerdnoisenight.net a lot of nerdy themed musical nights coming up um just seems to be the order of the day i'll have some nerd themed music nights with my coffee please can i have some coffee can i get some coffee started for you can I get some breakfast started for you? I kind of, that bugs me. Do you guys go to that coffee shop, that famous coffee shop that I will not name, but it is close to where I live, so I go there and get coffee. You know, I'm in there, I'm in there like almost every day. I'm a regular at this coffee shop. I can't lie. I like their coffee, but I don't like that every time I go in, I say, look, I'll just, just give me a medium coffee. The guy, same guy is always like, and can I get some breakfast started for you? No. No, you can't get some breakfast started for me. Like I I know how to ask for things. He thinks he's being nice like, oh, I wonder, maybe he really wants some breakfast, but he just doesn't know how to ask for it. So can I can I get some breakfast started for you? 
it's the most, like, condescending thing. I know it probably comes down from the head coffee office, and they say, everybody's got to say this, you know, when someone orders a coffee, you just say, can I get some breakfast started for you? Can I get your treats started for you? Can, no, unless you're going to make me, like, some fried chicken and waffles and give them to me for free, I'm not really interested, so don't do that. Don't ask me that, guy at the coffee shop, if you're listening. Can I get some started for you? Can I get some podcasts started for you? That's what I'd like to get started for you. With Dave Howlett coming up momentarily. Some beats by Beat Mason in the background. Once again, shout out Mason. Shout out to everybody sending me links to Weird Al videos. Because that's kind of the biggest music news, I think, of the month. I'm a lifelong Weird Al fan. I remember being a kid and having my... uh, my appreciation of Weird Al mocked on the school ground when some kids were like, I told them I like Weird Al better than Millie Vanilli. <laughs> I clearly remember that. And then everyone just chanting at me in the manner that kids will do and tease you. And they just started saying, Weird Al sucks. Weird Al sucks. And I just, I think that was the first time in my life when I, I didn't cry. I wasn't upset. It didn't hurt my feelings, I was just more, um, confused, and I think it was the first time in my life that I realized that, you know, there are stupid people out there, how could you think Millie Vanilli was better than Weird Al, I mean, granted, we were kids, and you know, you're allowed to like what you want to listen to, and I liked Weird Al, and I always thought he was very funny, I had some old Weird Al records I got from, uh, a sale at the YMCA, or YWCA, around the corner, from my place and I remember getting like for 25 cents I got a Weird Al record and it was hilarious and uh, I kind of you know the parodies were always really funny but Weird Al's original songs when I go back and listen to uh, some of the older tapes and CDs and stuff like it's it's the originals that I really dig um, Frank's 2000 inch TV if you don't know that song It's kind of got like an R.E.M. vibe to it, but it's just a really nice song. And uh, I went and bought the new Weird Al CD. I went to the HMV. Don't get me started on that. Well, I'm already started, so I'm going to tell you. HMV, why don't you put the Weird Al CD at the front? Like, how often do you shop at HMV now? Does anyone, do any music fans, like, I'll go to, I go to record stores, I'll go to independent record stores mostly, and uh, mostly places that carry the kind of rap music that I like and, you know, support my friends' bands and stuff. Um, HMV, I definitely have beef with because they don't do consignment. Not like Sam the Record Man back in the day where you could just go in and check out their local section, whether you were in Toronto or Halifax or Vancouver, you could see, okay, what's what's the local scene like here, you know? And you go to Montreal, Sam the Record Man, and check out, like, some cool indie hip-hop from Montreal that you might not have heard about or go to Halifax and... You might have found uh, some old, you know, Joe Run records or, or something, right? But like HMV, they don't do that anymore. And they, they're they trying to branch out and sell all these little like knickknacks and, oh, yeah, I want to get Big Bang Theory, you know, coffee mugs at the record store. What? No. Just sell your records, sell CDs, sell music. So opening, I guess, the Tuesday that the Weird Al record came out, I went down there to, to grab the CD. So I said, I'm going to buy this. I've got other Weird Al CDs. I'm going to go support, get the physical copy. Because you get the lyrics and you get the pictures. You know how it is, guys. I, you know, I'm, I, I like my CDs. So I go in there and I'm looking around. The guy's like, how can I help you? 
I'm I'm looking for the new Weird Al CD. Oh, it's it's at the back. It was at the back of the store in the W section the day it came out. And, he, you know, they had like four or five copies of it, which was cool. I, so I said, why isn't this at the front? He said, oh, well, you know, that comes from head office and they don't they don't want to put anything at the front that, you know, isn't paid for. So in case you didn't know, some of you guys probably know this already, but when you go into HMV, the stuff at the front of the store has all been paid for by the record labels to be at the front. Uh, and it's not really selected by HMV, even though you may think that they are uh, music experts who would recommend music to you. No, no, they don't. They don't. The new JLo album, that's there because it's paid for by the label. But, you know, big surprise, right? We all... We all know how that works. So Weird Al, they did have it, and I did buy it, and I'm I'm happy I bought it. I like the uh, Jackson Park Express, I think might be my favorite track on there, which is uh, another original. But there's some funny stuff, you know, Weird Al, makes me laugh, makes me laugh. The other big music news, uh, at least um, in Toronto, Snow, Snow showed support for Rob Ford. I don't know what your political stance is. I was uh, a little surprised to see Snow on there. (laughs) Snow up there shouting out Rob Ford, but whatever, Snow. I don't know who informed you. Uh, (laughs) Who informed you that Rob Ford was doing a good job for mayor, but that is your political choice. Uh, I am not voting for Rob Ford, but uh, that's that's my business, and you can vote for who you want to vote for. Uh, I was thinking, like, I don't know why Weird Al never covered Informer. I could just picture it, especially with the big movie blockbusters out right now. He could have done, like, Transformer. You know, like, uh, Transformer. Robots that turn into some cars and planes. And then they make this sound. (laughs) What's in this coffee? Can I get some podcast started for you, please? Weekend at Bergies. Let's jump into this. Dave Howlett. My first guest. Dave is the best. You're going to love what he has to say about movies and stuff. And uh, thank you, guys. All right. Dave Howlett. Here we go. Guardians of the Galaxy talk. So I'm here with Dave Howlett, my old, old friend, an amazing, talented artist, just a superhuman. He may have killed the Watcher. I don't know, you know, what he's up to, but we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy today because if there's anyone I want to talk about comic book movies with, it's this guy. Dave is the guy. If Dave recommends something, and Dave, you know, this is the truth from my heart. If you recommend something, I'm going to check it out. If you, Whether it's a book, a movie, an album, whatever. You know, you are the guy. Oh, you got me blushing over here. <laughs> you are the guy. I'm glad you're the first guy. I'm glad you're here hanging on the weekend. You're the first guy. <laughs> the first guy. The That's first guy. Old, just in general. Friend. That's how old I am. <laughs> the first guy. <laughs> Sounds like a new character. The first guy. <laughs> That's what you're first guy <laughs> i like it well first guy dave howlett <laughs> what is happening man 
Oh, not too much, man. Just like the rest of the comic book world, just kind of trying to wrap my head around the fact that there's a $170 million Guardians of the Galaxy movie that was number one at the box office this weekend. <laughs> Who the hell saw that coming? Not the Watcher, that's for sure. <laughs> I know, man. It's crazy. Like when you see a bus stop and a giant poster of Guardians of the Galaxy, it's like, what world are we living in? <laughs> Dave, so excited you're here. Okay, true believers. We're just going to take it right to the start of um, the origins. Chat about movies now. Only the best effects on Weekend at Burgies. You guys, <laughs> you know what's up. Okay, so Guardians of the Galaxy made their first appearance, Marvel Superheroes 1969, right? Right. Uh, they were kind of like Marvel's version of the Legion of Superheroes, like, because they were, you know, sort of the future Marvel heroes. As I recall, they were all, like, each one was the representative of a race that had been conquered by the Badoon, who were these evil alien lizard men that I think were from Silver Surfer or something. So those Guardians of the Galaxy were Charlie 27 from Pluto, right? Jupiter. Jupiter. Right. We said he's the jovial. The jovial Jovian. <laughs> That's a good joke, by the way. No. Um, yeah. Uh, and then there's Martinex. Who was a Pluvian from Pluto. <laughs> so he was the, what would he be like? The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Pluvian, is that a word? <laughs> we need an, what is it? He's the, the, I don't think that's actually a word that I just said. <laughs> he's. <laughs> Like you got to think of it in like in Marvel alliterative terms, right? When something right. Stanley would say, "He's the Pluvian who meets your <laughs> approval," and plus he's you know I don't know he's got like crystal powers, right? He reflects, yeah, shoot laser beams out of his fingertips and stuff. Yeah, I think his crystalline skin is it was developed so that he could withstand the heat of of his planet or something. I don't I don't know. Right. So Martinex. Charlie 27, Vance Astro, who kind of, he had a really neat origin, right? He, did he start out as an Avenger? Well, he was, Vance Astro started out in the Guardians, right? Right. Before but Avengers? Then, yeah, and they revealed that he was actually an Earthman, like an Earth astronaut who was a thousand years old. So he was from, quote unquote, our time, where, uh, but he was wearing sort of a containment suit that, if he took it off, he would basically crumble the dust because he was so old. I don't know if he actually had any superpowers or not, though. But they did eventually introduce young Vance Astro into the present-day Marvel Universe as, like, a supporting character first, and then Justice from the New Warriors. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. He became Justice because he was Marvel Boy. And right. then he, he grew in to be Justice. And I don't know where he is now, actually. I think he was in Avengers uh, Initiative. And then he kind of went off. I don't know if he quit being a superhero or what, but... I feel like he's in the current New Warriors relaunch. Okay. But. Haven't been That's, reading that. Yeah, me neither. I mean, it's, it's neither here nor there. Then there's also Yondu. Yondu. And we love Yondu. And Yondu was both... He's one of my favorite characters in the original Guardians comics. But in the movie, he would be, I think, the one character that I kind of have a problem with. Because they just changed him so much. I don't like he was basically Michael Rooker being, you know, Merle in space for those who watched uh, Walking Dead. You know, they just made him, a, you know, just kind of a rude, angry guy. And they tied his or his 
story into the origin of Star-Lord. And I I feel it changed the character a lot. Like, how did you feel Yondu was portrayed? Yeah, like, he was cool, but I would, I feel like his appearance there sort of negates the possibility of the Yondu that you and I know from the comic books. What I'd like to see would be uh, if they did a sequel and they introduced the future Guardians, who are the ones we're talking about, and have maybe this guy be like a descendant of Michael Rooker's character or something. Somebody who was a little closer to the comics, where he was more like the cool stealth assassin guy of the team who hunted with a bow and arrow. But, you know, this is all the comic book version of it, which is very different from the movie version. The movie version is more based on like the 2008 relaunch by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. That is sort of like was more like a Marvel version of the Avengers where they took a bunch of the different cosmic superheroes, put them all on a team together and christened them the the Guardians of the Galaxy. And yeah, these are the guys we're talking about now. So let's get into it. Who who are these guys? The 2008 Guardians who are now the stars of this crazy movie. Well, I mean, there's Star-Lord played by Chris Pratt, which is one of these. Another thing that's just so weird about all this is like who would have thought two or three years ago that like. The guy who plays Andy Dwyer on Parks and Recreation, which I don't know if you watch it. I'm a big fan of it. Who would picture this guy being like the action hero Marvel comic superstar? But he's great, you know, and he plays Star-Lord as sort of like a, you know, a bumbling Han Solo type who's like an 80s kid who was kidnapped in 1988. And now all of his uh, cultural touchstones are like 80s pop stuff. And uh, I mean, his comic book version, his comic book origin is very different. He's like sort of an alien prince. He's part human, part alien. Uh, he's kind of like a uh, lone star and space balls a little bit, <laughs> um, which is, I don't want to get too much into his origins in the movies versus his origins in the comic. Cause there's a lot. We still don't know about the character and that I think is going to be part of the sequel too. But uh, so there's him, he's sort of the, the de facto leader of this team of misfits. Um, and there's Gamora who is the adopted daughter of Thanos one of his adopted daughters um, and she's you know, the deadliest woman in the galaxy. She's like a master assassin, but kind of wants to strike out on her own and get away from Thanos. Uh, there is Drax, the destroyer who again, very different in the comics, but has a much more convoluted origin um, that they've sort of boiled down to just alien badass who wants to avenge his wife and daughter that were murdered by Ronan, the accuser. If I remember the story. Yeah. First. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then like, the couple breakout stars of the movie were like Rocket Raccoon voiced by Bradley Cooper, which is also totally bizarre. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't even associate him with Bradley Cooper, actually. It was uh, which was a good thing, I think. Yeah, like he sort of he did an like a bit of a Bronx accent almost for him. And he's very yelly and very angry. And, you know, his character, like all the characters are very funny, but all have kind of a hint of tragedy to them. And he's, you know, been sort of experimented on and genetically engineered to be the way he is. And at one point he gets drunk and surly and kind of goes on a big rant. And, you know, he's there's kind of a lot of pathos to the character, but they never get too heavy with it. Like it's always sort of undercut with a joke. So, uh. So that's sort of his backstory. And then the last member is Groot, who's basically just a talking tree from Planet X who can only say, I am Groot, <laughs> voiced by Vin Diesel, no less. Yeah, and I think the movie did a great – just did a, a great job of introducing all these characters with, with – you know, giving you just enough information to you know, you know the layperson who doesn't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy – like, it's just a great, okay, Rocket Raccoon, you get instantly, he's got the attitude, like, they, they did sum it up, and, like, we, what you were talking about, him getting, uh, I don't know, genetically modified or experimented on, you know, they kind of touched on that, they touched on, a, you know, Drax's backstory, Gamora's association with Thanos, 
And Groot, I mean, yeah, you just he's just this giant tree who says, I am Groot. Um, the way Groot communicated, I was, I was a little worried about how it was going to be in the movie with him just saying, I am Groot the whole time. Yeah. But I thought it was handled really well. And his expression to have two two main characters in the movie be completely CGI'd. They it was it was great. Like Rocket Raccoon and Groot were were just as present as real characters as any of the the human actors in in the film and uh I don't know. I loved the movie. I loved it. So, is it safe to say you enjoyed yourself? Oh yeah, it was just a good time at the movies. You know, everybody kind of left the theater with a smile on their face. Like it's it's very silly. It's uh you know, it's just a good time. It's like, it's kind of everything the Star Wars prequels should have been <laughs> like, just in terms of like a fun, crazy space adventure where, you know, one minute they're off to the floating head of a celestial and, you know, the next they're breaking out of a, a crazy space prison. And, you know, I really like the emphasis on practical effects. Like we said, Groot and Rocket were CGI, but a lot of the aliens were just sort of people in makeup, which I like a lot. It's sort of a lot easier to buy than, everybody kind of having to look at a ping pong ball and imagine that they're going to CGI in some crazy monster later. It's never quite as believable as when you have tangible practical effects on people, you know? Yeah. We always, I know you and I always talk because we love aliens. Mm -hmm. Like the second aliens movie, no CGI in that. And to me that, that just has more weight to it when you can actually feel, okay, these aliens, even though they're animatronic robot puppets or whatever it is, they just seem more real, and it forces the people making the movie to to really rely on camera angles and lighting and 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 suspense and build up, as opposed to films that get way too reliant on using CGI for everything. Yeah. And you're you're totally right. I think they had the perfect mix with this movie. And uh, honestly, I think it's one of my favorite Marvel movies. I I really enjoyed Winter Soldier, but uh, this is. This is really impressive and that they were able to do it with a bunch of characters that really have no outside of this movie. There's been really nothing done with these characters outside of comics, right? Uh, that's mostly true. They've shown up in some of the animated series. Like I know oh, really? they were on Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes for one episode. Okay. And uh, I think they were on the current like Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, but I've never seen any of it, so I don't know. I guess compared to like a Spider-Man or Iron Man or... Well, they're, yeah, they're most definitely not household names by any stretch. Uh, you know, like there's uh, there was a kid running around the store the other day just yelling out, I am Groot! <laughs> it's just a really strange <laughs> thing. You know, five or six-year-old, he just he saw the art of Guardians of the Galaxy and he pointed at it and just started yelling it. So That's you know. amazing. Yeah. You think it's going to it's gonna go over well with kids? Oh, for sure. I mean, what kid isn't going to lose their mind over it? Like, it's just very... You know, it's very adventure It's very funny. It's like, you know, Star-Lord is kind of like a big kid in a lot of ways in the movie. Like, he was abducted from Earth when he was a kid. And when we're introduced to him in the movie, we see him just kind of, you know, dancing around this crazy alien planet. Just kind of having a good time being a space outlaw, you know? And what kid isn't going to want that and watch that and wish they weren't Star-Lord, you know? Like, I don't know. If I was 10 years old, I would be losing my mind over it. You know, as a grown-up, I thought it was a really good time and I'm excited to see it again. Totally. Well, the 10-year-old in me was really psyched about the whole Infinity Gem uh, situation. So we're going to have a little, some more spoilers in here. People, people know if they don't want to listen to the spoilers, you can skip it. But uh, I think most people are aware, if you've been following the Marvel movies, an underlying theme right now, 
are the Infinity Gems or the Infinity Stones, which for the comic readers, you know, these gems, when they're collected, they can all be combined and Thanos collects them in the comic to get the Infinity Gauntlet. So what's the deal with the Infinity Stones in Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, well, there's one that's sort of the main, you know, the MacGuffin, as they say in screenwriting terms, the thing that everybody wants that they're chasing around. And it's this purple infinity stone that's contained within a, an orb that uh, Star-Lord steals at the opening of the movie, but everybody else wants it. So they're all kind of chasing each other for it. And Thanos is ultimately the guy who wants it because he's trying to put all these different gems together. We saw one of them in Avengers. We saw another one in the last Thor movie. Presumably what they're building up towards is like, Avengers 3 or an Infinity Gauntlet movie where all these characters are going to have to team up against Thanos who will have collected them all presumably and become master of all time and space and have to be taken down. Right. So this stone, this Infinity Stone, we were saying earlier, we think it's the Power Stone, right? Is it a Power Gem? Can't really keep track of them, but yeah. yeah, It's the purple one, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) P for Power and Pluvian. (laughs) (laughs) well i'm really i i think the way they handle that uh everything with the infinity jams up to this point is really cool like they've definitely been straying from the origins of it in the comic but they're the whole marvel movie universe has just done a great job of taking the cool story elements from the comics and reintroducing them to people without having to know you know the last 20 or 30 years worth of comic history yeah, I think the accessibility is a big part of it for the Marvel movies. They're taking the stuff that's just, you know, incredibly complicated in the comics and boiling it down to its essential. But another thing that they're really doing really well is that they're always fun. Like, uh, mm-hmm. that's my beef with a lot of the, the current crop of DC Comics movies is that they're kind of ashamed to be from comic books in a way. Like, they're kind of like, no, no, this is the real world. This is how it will be in the real world, which is all well and good, but not a lot of fun a lot of the time like if i want to see a movie about superpowered do-gooders i want it to be a good time and uh, all the marvel movies are fun even like the winter soldier which kind of like alludes to some real world issues about like the nsa and government monitoring and stuff it's still a fun movie it's a really fun time you know it never gets like super serious and dark and heavy it's just fun and gardens of the galaxy that's like the adjective that most that best describes it it's a fun time you know it's a fun movie yeah i agree with that totally they They've managed to take everything that works in the comics and really make you like it more. And to be honest, the 2008 Guardian series, they're fun comics, but they're not really any of my favorite comics. And when I heard it was they were going to make a movie of it, I was kind of surprised. thought, okay, how are they going to do this? They, they really pulled it off. And getting, getting the characters, like we said, that aren't household names and giving a story that people care about and a- approaching the whole thing with the respect of, okay, you know, yeah, it's a raccoon with a crazy space gun, mm-hmm. but he's got an interesting story. Groot's got an interesting story. Drax, I mean, who knew how good Drax was going to be on screen? Yeah, he's he's also, like, he's really good and really, like, fearsome, but he's also really funny because there's this thing where, like, he doesn't understand metaphors. He takes everything super literally, and he's sort of like, you know, like a, a Star Trek space alien or something where he just doesn't really relate to things the way the human characters do. And uh, he just kind of has his own weird point of view on things. And it makes it for a lot of funny scenes. Like, there's a lot of layers to it, a lot of different ways to enjoy it. So in terms of the Marvel movies, 
like how would you rate this one? Would you put this in sort of your top three or or what from the current batch of movies from Marvel Studios? Uh, it's up there. I mean, you know, like for me right now, Avengers and Winter Soldier are probably still my favorites. Mm-hmm. And the first Captain America is pretty high up there too because I'm a big Captain America fan. Um, but I like it better than either of the Thor movies, even though I like the second one a lot more than the first one. Uh, you know, it's I'd put it around like Iron Man 3 probably for me. Like it's up there pretty high. It's it's quite good. Like I feel like it's just a studio now that I have a lot of faith in. Like they just seem to have a good handle. They know how to make these things work. I've seen some complaints that say they're they're getting to be a little formulaic, but it's a formula that works. Like right now, like they just I when Avengers came out, I thought it's not going to get any better than this. Like they've somehow managed to make this happen and make it work. It's probably all going to be downhill from here. And I'm happy to be proven wrong. Like if anything, it seems to have emboldened them. They're really taking chances. Like winter soldier really shook up the universe as we know it. And, you know, I feel like Avengers two will probably shake it up even more. Like they're, they're sort of not afraid to like, there is a formula, but they're not afraid to screw around with it. And I just trust them. And it makes me really excited for Ant-Man, frankly, because I have so much faith in just the Marvel brand at the movies right now that I'm pretty much willing to believe it's going to be a fun time at the movies. Totally. Yeah. Marvel, they've, uh, they got my money for sure for the next, for the next couple films. Um, mm-hmm. what is, what's next is Avengers two. Is that the next one to come up? Yeah. That's I think May 1st of 2015. And then Ant-Man should be July or August of 2015. Okay. And Dr. Strange is coming, right? It is. Maybe. It is, and it's being directed by uh, Scott Derrickson. He does a lot of horror films. He likes Sinister and, uh, I don't know, a bunch of the sort of recent supernatural movies. Uh, I don't know if it has a release date yet. I think it's pretty pretty well acknowledged that it's going to be 2016, and there's still no casting, although Joaquin Phoenix is the latest name that's been attached to it. Um, but, yeah, that's very likely going to be 2016, along with Captain America 3, I believe. Cool. And going back to the comics – how do you feel the movies are reflecting into the Marvel comics? Like where Marvel is taking, like, let's say I was, I was talking about it before of Nick Fury in the movies to make him, if I go see Samuel L. Jackson in the movies, his character is now in the comics. So it all matches up. And, and the way they handled that was making him the son of the original Nick Fury, which is a really cool storyline. I know you're, you're a bit of a fan of that one. Yeah, it was a miniseries called Battle Scars, I think, that was like co-written by Max Fraction and Colin Bunn, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it was like, I don't know, I, I generally don't like when they try to alter the comics to fit more like whatever TV show or movie is happening. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but the whole reason uh, Lois and Clark got married in the comics was because they were planning to have them married on the TV show. And then the TV show got canceled almost immediately afterwards. So it's the kind of thing that generally doesn't date well when they try to do that. Hmm. However, in the case of Nick Fury Jr. that they've introduced in the comics to be more like Samuel L. Jackson seen in the films, they actually did a really good job of it. Like that was kind of a cool little miniseries that didn't negate the existence of the original Nick Fury. It sort of said, yeah, he exists, but there's this character who's his long lost son that he never knew he had bears us more than a passing resemblance to Samuel L. Jackson's version of the character. It worked out. I thought they did a good job. Um, and it's smart marketing, really. You want to have, like, let's face it, way, way more people go to see these movies than ever look at the comics. But if they hopefully decide to check out the comics, it's probably better if they see things they recognize from them. So yeah. it makes sense. I, I noticed that Black Widow in the comics is looking a lot more like Scarlett Johansson. Um, 
And why wouldn't you want to look like Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. I'm not complaining. Just saying. Yeah. Um, something. Now, I'm telling you, after last weekend when Lucy beat Hercules at the box office, why have they not announced a solo Black Widow movie? Yeah. How, how will you tell me that a Black Widow movie starring Scarlett, starring Scarlett Johansson wouldn't make a billion dollars at the box office? Like, Yeah, it's weird that they haven't done that. I know there were rumors that they were going to try and do a Hawkeye movie too, but – I got to do a Black Widow movie first, man. They got to do a Captain Marvel. They got to get some lady movies going. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Now, with that Hercules thing, really quick, that was based off of a comic, loosely. Yeah, uh, from a company that may not actually be publishing anymore. From a writer who was actually Alan Moore's mentor, Steve Moore, no relation, who's passed away a few years ago, but apparently got really treated badly in that whole process. Like they. They took his script and changed it a lot, and I don't think he really got the credit or the money that he was owed. Yeah, so Alan Moore was cool. basically telling everybody to not go see it. Um, and it sounds like saw a lot of people listened to him because it didn't do very well. Yeah, and that's that's not cool at all. And you know, if there's a big budget behind it, if they're not crediting the uh, the creators of the comic, and I, I don't know. But full disclosure, I don't know the whole story. I haven't really looked into it all that much, so I could be wrong, hmm. but something like that. Now I noticed in the credits they came up so fast at the end of uh, Guardians, but I did I did notice that uh, Gene Colan got a, a shout out in there, and uh, Steve Gerber got a shout out in more ways than one. Yeah, which we probably shouldn't spoil why. Yeah, that was that was weird. Oh, should we? I don't know. I feel like we got enough spoilers. I kind of want to talk about it. People will. See. If you want to, we can talk about it. We'll yeah. By the time this comes out, people will have have seen this, and if they haven't. At the end of the movie, we don't get a cameo from Iron Man or Nick Fury or, or anybody in the Avengers, which I thought we were going to get. Mm-hmm. We get uh, Howard the Duck. Dave, you're, you're more of an expert on this situation than I am. Why is Howard the Duck showing up in Guardians and why is it a big deal? Well, I don't think it's really a big deal. Like, I don't think they have any plans for the character. I really can't see them spinning him off into his own movie. I mean, George Lucas tried it and he couldn't make it work. So um, I think it was more just a gag than anything else. And sort of a nod to uh, the fact that, you know, they've already got a talking raccoon. Why not have a cameo by a talking duck? Um, (laughs) It was very unexpected. I'll say that. It was, and apparently it was Seth Green doing his voice too. I sort of assumed somewhere down the line that Universal Studios still owned the rights since they were the ones that put out the movie in the 80s. But I really don't see them ever going back to it because it was such a gigantic box office bomb for them. And for those who don't know who Howard the Duck is, it was a character created by Steve Gerber for Marvel Comics. But then I think there was a big lawsuit issue when the movie came out. Wasn't Steve Gerber sort of denied rights or something? It may even go back earlier than that. Like uh, he was, I think, kind of trying to claim ownership pretty much from the get-go. I think the movie probably exacerbated this situation more than anything else. I could be wrong on that too. But uh, yeah, all along he's been fighting Marvel for a long time. But I mean he's returned to Marvel to write the character. Like they did a Marvel Max series 10 years ago or so that he wrote starring Howard. So I don't know if they ever fully smoothed it over before he passed away a few years ago. But either way, I mean – I think this is just sort of them saying, like, you know, this can happen now. We can throw in Howard the Duck. We can get away with Rocket Raccoon. We can get away with pretty much anybody. So, yeah, that's really interesting. And Steve Gerber, who he wrote, um, he was writing The Defenders, I think, when the Guardians of the Galaxy showed up, and maybe a few other issues. But I know he was involved. But uh, 
Yeah, he actually wrote the very first comic I ever had with the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I actually recently reacquired at Strange Adventures too. Um, and it was a really dark issue. Like it was, I had it very young, and it's the one where the Guardians finally defeat the Bad Dune. It's like they try to re-enter society, all the Guardians, and they're all like kind of too damaged by their experiences at war to like reintegrate into society, and they just end up like meeting up and going back out into space again, which is some pretty heavy shit for like a superhero comic when you're reading it and you're like four years old. But, uh, you know, kind of gave me a hint that like, oh, there's more going on here than just, you know, we got to go fight Ultron or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I, I've, I've said it before, but reading comics when you're a kid that sort of have a really strong message or story that kind of affects you, it's, it's, it's interesting that that, you, you know, you carry that with you. But yeah, how are the ducks showing up was a bit of a surprise. I thought they were going to bring in Iron Man to maybe connect the Avengers universe a little, a little closer to, uh, to the Guardians because Iron Man has been showing up in the comics, right? All right Iron Man kind of joined up with the Guardians for a little bit. Yeah, I don't think he's there anymore, though. But you know who is there? Venom. What is Venom yeah. doing with the Guardians of the Galaxy? I think that's just Bendis sort of being the top dog at Marvel right now and just like wanting to play with all the toys. And, you know, I think he probably was like, these guys are going to be in a movie. I want to write it. It's going to sell a lot. And, uh, and then, hey, I want to throw Venom in there. I want to throw Captain Marvel in there. But that's just, you know, my assumption. I don't know. Okay. It's okay, really okay, nothing to do with them trying to put Venom into the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie by saying, hey, Venom's a Guardians of the Galaxy character. He's not just a Spider-Man character. So we could, you know, I know with the rights of different characters being tied up with different Marvel studios, like the Fantastic Four characters you can't use uh, in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie because they're owned by a different company for the film rights. But Venom, you don't think there's a chance of him uh, popping up in a movie? No, not in a Marvel movie. Because um, he is still part of the Sony package deal with the spider-man universe and as far as i know they've got a spin-off movie planned for him um like that and sinister six are supposed to be in the pipeline um in fact i think there was even supposed to be a little nod to venom in the last spider-man movie i thought somebody like posted a screen grab online of something from the trailer with like a you know a close-up on a vial marked like venom symbiote or something like that too so They've got something up their sleeve for it. I don't know. Yeah, um, I still Mar- haven't Mar- seen Mar- Amazing Two. Nah, it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, just really quick, then, who, what characters does Sony have the rights to? If they don't have the Avengers and the Guardians characters, who have they got? S- Sony has Spider Man and Ghost Rider, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and Twentieth Century Fox has the X Men and the Fantastic Four. Okay, now where do Daredevil and Punisher? fall into that is punisher considered a spider-man character no punisher hmm, that's a weird one because marvel knights was the logo in front of the last punisher movie which in my opinion was the best punisher movie punisher Warzone. which hands you, down hands down best punisher like movie. me and, you, and like me and like you and you like crazy ridiculous 80s action movies like commando I just think it's just a fun time. It's just a crazy, violent, ridiculous movie. Um, but that being said, I don't actually know who has Punisher right now. Daredevil, on the other hand, has reverted back to Marvel. They basically had to announce – Fox had to announce a movie by a certain date or they lost the rights. And that happened. They lost the rights and went back to Marvel, which is why Marvel is doing a deal with Netflix to produce four TV series. And the first of them is Daredevil. Right, right. Now, when are those supposed to start? I think Daredevil is early next year. Well, that's exciting. I mean, can we expect to see good. like some cameos with Shield or 
whoever else, I guess, like on the TV front? Well, they've said that it's all going to be, because they're going to do four. They're going to do Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones. And then they're going to tie them all together into a Defenders either movie or series. But as far as I know, it's all set in the Marvel Universe, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and presumably Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too. Cool, cool. Well, man, a lot of a lot of cool Marvel stuff coming on. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad you're here to talk about it because you know you know your stuff, Dave, and I just love chatting about this stuff with you. <laughs> it's just really nice to just geek out. Um, now I know you know other than comic books, you're just a huge movie buff in general. What are the other movies that uh, you're loving right now, like this summer? Any any big ones? Uh, well. Yeah, Winter, well, Winter Soldier was more like winter, I suppose. <laughs> Spring, technically, <laughs> it was April, right? That was, I'm kind of having a hard time matching. I'll see a better sort of nerd movie this year than that. Uh, but Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. What Dawn, the hell? yes. Rise. Well, Rise. As you know, my bad joke. I, <laughs> I liked the movie Rise of the Planet of the Apes, but I was expecting to see some bread, some rise. I, I heard the rise of the Planet of the Apes were good, better than the... Pumpernickel, the planet of the apes. <laughs> <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow was great. It was. Did you see it? Yeah, I loved it. Loved yeah, it, loved it was it. such a cool movie. Like, just I don't know. It uh, it was very. It felt very fresh. Even though, yeah, it's very obviously reminiscent of Groundhog Day. But like, Groundhog Day is a good movie. Who wouldn't want to see that mixed up with Starship Troopers or whatever? And I thought Emily Blunt was great in it. And uh, you know, there was early casting rumors that she might play uh, Captain Marvel in a movie. And I'd be all for that because she was great. And it's based on a comic book too, right? A Japanese, originally a Japanese novel that was turned into a manga that eventually became a movie, but it was a a novel called all you need is kill. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Maybe something lost in the translation there. I don't know. I need a little more than kill to be honest, But, (laughs) but well, that's cool. You know, and it's neat to see the comic book, uh, you know, I mean, Snowpiercer came out. A lot of movies are coming out right now that have been based in some way on comics. So it's uh, we're living in an amazing age right now, if you're a comic yeah. book fan. Well, we've still got Sin City 2 to look forward to. Oh, or, man. When's that coming out? Is that, that soon? This month, yeah. Right on, right on. And Comic-Con, I know you must have been excited. The Mad Max trailer. What do you think of that? I have watched that trailer a lot of times. It looks pretty stunning. I don't know. I, I, I'm really, I don't know, George Miller's been trying to make this movie since about 2001, and he apparently storyboarded the entire movie, every single shot of it, in preparation for it. So he just went in armed with this big, basically a comic book, just like a gigantic book full of storyboards, and went from that. And uh, I love the fact that it doesn't appear to be like a, a prequel or a reboot or an origin story. It's just like a new Mad Max thing, just a different guy playing the part, you know, which is... Well, I think they should have done with the Spider-Man movies, like skip the origin, just get to another adventure. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, I like the original Mad Max movies, so uh, this one looks pretty cool. It looks pretty mm-hmm. good. All right, now, uh, before we wrap it up, you you are doing an art show called Last Exit to Springfield in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, that everybody in the Maritimes needs to go to. Dave, what is the scoop with this? Um, yeah, like, well, this year's the 25th anniversary of The Simpsons, so we're just doing an art show to celebrate that. So there's going to be a bunch of cool prints and paintings and various multimedia. Like, there's going to be some rug hookings and cross stitchings and uh, possibly a sculpture or two. Uh, the thing I'm doing for it is a discount bin for VHS Village, the video store of The Simpsons went. Remember video stores? Remember those? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
They used to go to VHS Village, formerly the Beta Barn. So I'm doing like a, a basically a discount bin filled with VHS tapes for movies that took that were within the Simpsons universe, like uh, Itchy and Scratchy the movie, or the boat jacking of Super Ship 79 starring Troy McClure, or uh, the Christmas that almost wasn't but then was, like a bunch of those. I'm doing like the, the whole 3D physical video cassette artwork and putting tapes in them and wrapping them up and yeah be a bin you can rummage through i'm going to post the pictures online when it's all done but so with this one i know you're in it james white the signal noise masters in it eric miller and there's you got a big uh, dc comics artist is doing it too right yeah well you know darwin cook has said he's going to do something for it i don't want to go too much into it just yet but he is planning to contribute something and it's pretty funny so okay so when is this taking place and where can people go to the gallery it's taking place august 15th to the 25th at uh 127a portland street in dartmouth nova scotia sweet awesome and that's the dart gallery gallery, yeah oh man not the dart gallery (laughs) (laughs) we're even Uh, trying squishy machine for it so it'll be cool what that's crazy that's crazy we'll rebrand it as squishy machine we'll see i bet uh, our buddy ian from obsolete records is is going to be losing his mind right yeah he's already anticipating having to buy a lot of stuff at it so. <laughs> awesome shout out obsolete records and and uh, our buddy ian if you're uh, if you're in halifax go go get some records there and visit him and uh, you can bug dave about stuff yeah come bug me (laughs) all right man thanks dave what a guy what a guy is that not a guy he's the first guy thank you wow what a guy what was that jam-packed or what we didn't even get into benicio del toro as the collector we didn't even get into the lack of starhawk or alita or talon or rancor wolverine's futuristic daughter grand great great granddaughter Oh, so much, so much Guardians of the Galaxy lore we could have unearthed. Uh, Dave and I could have gone on for hours. Go visit him at Strange Adventures and all the fine gals and guys over there. They are truly wonderful, wonderful people. And you know who else is wonderful, people? You. Also you. All of you guys and gals and humans and animals, thank you. For joining us on another episode we went a little over this week i know i said last time we're gonna keep them to a half hour but when the times are so much fun we gotta keep them going and going and going we will be back in i'm hoping every two to three weeks is what we're, we're hoping for the show i hope you are enjoying it so far please keep sending your questions and uh your queries whatever you got uh weekend at burgies at gmail.com is our address And don't forget, August 29th, we'll see you at the Horseshoe in Toronto. Have a great weekend, guys. Peace. And collard greens on your plate Oh, what about the buttered cornbread? She wouldn't sit down to eat Till the whole neighborhood was fed The hospitality that I savor Wanna 
make some Kool-Aid Could get a cup of sugar from your neighbor No quivers or qualms yeah. Ring the alarm uh -huh. in the evening Relaxing in my grandma's arms Just a boy, but now I'm a man on the run Step off, bro, I'm basking in the sun Of the southern comfort